What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. My name is Moore Milo. And I'm Ross Inarelli. And you are checking out Market Today. This week on Market Today, episode 86, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Coinbase IPOs and what's happening in the market. A couple cool conversations we had about cryptocurrency uh, this week with some smart guys. And we're going to talk about uh, a cool book called Indistractable by an author we've read before, uh, the author of Unhook, uh, Unhooked, excuse me, Near Ayal. Uh, a very cool book, and, and I'm excited to get into it and uh, you know, just kind of give you guys an idea of what it's all about. Uh, but Ross, talk to us a little bit about uh, the Coinbase IPO, what that means for the market, what that means for cryptocurrencies, and, and what, you think, uh, what you think is happening. Yeah, so I think this is one of the more interesting IPOs that we've kind of been watching for a little bit of time. And I think that's because this is really one of the, you know, aside from like Kathy Woods and things like that, this is one of the first big sectors where you're starting to see a, a mix between the traditional financial market and like the cryptocurrency market. And what this means is, you know, until now, really the only way you could get into crypto without buying actual coins was, you know, some ETFs here and there. Um, Kathy Woods, like I mentioned a moment ago, um, has a lot of ETFs when it comes to Bitcoin, Ethereum. But this Coinbase IPO is going to be interesting for a few reasons. One, it's an exchange that, if you don't know, it's an exchange where you can buy and sell cryptocurrency. It's one of the largest in the United States. So it is one that's been around for quite some time. But what we're seeing now is people are not sure how to actually evaluate the the IPO pricing. And that's a mixture of, you know, Coinbase has made, I think, two and a half times their normal revenue in the last three months, which is, you know, mostly due to the fact that we're seeing a massive explosion in cryptocurrency right now. So a lot of people are jumping in the middle of this bull market. Coinbase does have some of the higher fees of any of the exchanges out there, but they're seeing massive revenue. And right now with only, you know, about 0.1% of the population getting into cryptocurrency, you can argue that, you know, their revenue is going to be so much higher going forward. So this is interesting. Like I said, first, it's going to be, you know, getting an exchange on, you know, the the NASDAQ and kind of seeing what's going on, but more so it's going to bring a lot of, you know, extra eyes to the crypto market. So I think that's actually going to lead to huge growth in uh, a lot of altcoins and Bitcoin, you know, starting on Thursday when this comes out, because the more eyes that are on something, um, the more people really want to get in. There's a lot of FOMO that comes with investing, um, but also there's a lot of different things. And I'm going to throw it to more in a second because we had a phenomenal conversation over the weekend. There's sometimes more and I get in positions where we are surrounded by people that have just done amazing in their life. The, the income level is just in a whole different league. So for us, we love to be around these people and act like sponges. Um, but we were talking about Bitcoin and one guy was talking about how he doesn't trust it. You know, is it tangible? Things like that. A lot of the normal conversations. But do you want to tell them more what the response was? Because it was well, something that yeah, we've he, never really gotten as a response when we talk to crypto to people. Well, just first of all, to touch on the Coinbase conversation, this is something that he also mentioned, which I thought was really profound, which is at the end of the day, you know, you don't have to believe in cryptocurrencies to see the value of a company like Coinbase. Coinbase is in the, in the business of buying and selling, uh, you know, the... The asset, whatever it is, whether it's you know 
grain or cryptocurrency, right? You have to have a merchant for that. So the beauty of a company like Coinbase going IPO is it gives a lot of investors that might be a little bit more hesitant to get into cryptocurrencies themselves to hedge their bets and play a game of, okay, well, you know, who knows? Let's see if, if crypto will work out, but I'd much rather put my market, you know, you know, put my money in a market that I, that I know and I feel comfortable with as opposed to, you know, a market that's new, a market that's different, um, you know, brokerage accounts that you're not really used to, companies um, that, you know, you're not familiar with, you don't necessarily trust who they are or haven't been around the block long enough. Um, so to go back to the conversation about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general and their, their tangibility um, and their value, right, we had a very interesting conversation with a very um, wealthy guy over the weekend who had a very strong claim against cryptocurrencies. And, you know, I kind of created the analogy of, you know, if, if you believe and mind you, he, he didn't really believe in buying in gold. He wasn't the biggest fan of gold and buying into gold or silver or platinum as commodities, but he was willing to see the value of it. And then I kind of played the conversation of, you know, how can we take the analogy of gold and cryptocurrency both being, to a certain extent, liquidity pools, to a certain extent, commodities, buying into an asset that's pretty, uh, you know, finite in, in you know, its uh, availability and, to a, and, and also, you know, is variable in, in regards to cost. You know, obviously gold has gone up over the last who knows how many years and, and people swear by gold. And even though you might have an opinion that isn't necessarily connected to, you know, putting your money into gold, how, how, you know, you see the value in it. And if you compare the commodity of gold to what is now, quote unquote, a commodity in Bitcoin or what will probably end up becoming a, you know, some sort of crypto commodity, you know, will be Bitcoin and Ether because they're kind of that base rate. It's like that gold, silver, and platinum. They're kind of that base base ground, right? Um, how can you downplay the cryptocurrencies? And he had a very interesting thing to say. You know, he, he kind of just turned it back to, the, to a place of, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter what you, you know, it's, it's all based on opinion. His opinion was that it's not tangible and that he doesn't want a piece of it and he'd rather invest his money in a in a commodity that is constantly being traded is constantly in need um and is kind of on the on the um more conservative less sexy side of of investing and trading he likes to put his money into copper right and copper you wouldn't really think copper but then you take a look at how it's in in like kind of interwoven with our society, you can't do anything without copper. You know, if you don't have copper wires and you don't have electronics and you don't have, you know, all the things that copper, electricity, all the things that copper provide in our daily lives, you're going to have a tough time. So it was really interesting to see both sides of the, of the game. And also, you know, listen, the guy was a little bit older, not older, right, but in, into his mid, middle years. And, you know, been around the block and had been investing for a while and obviously was a long-term, I play the long game investor. Um, so it was just interesting to see that kind of contrast between, you know, 
seeing the value of purchasing into a commodity that has the ability to be the center of, of, of a community, right? But because of its lack of tangibility, being hesitant or scared to put your money into it. So it just goes to show you that there's a million different ways to invest and no, and you don't have the right, nobody has the right answer. It, it's whatever works for you. So it was really nice to hear a, a conversation that was, that was educated on what, why, why cryptocurrencies are so evil or so bad, right? Because it's like so many people just have a certain uh, idea of what these currencies are because of the stigma that they come with or, or, you know, what they've heard through the grapevine. But, you know, you got to do the research. And this guy obviously did the research and he came up with an opinion to say, this isn't for me. Um, and you got to respect that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and like I said, what he was talking about with Coinbase more so was the fact that they as a company, regardless of if the coins they're selling have any value at all, um, they generate revenue. They generate revenue off of fees. And he loves companies that generate revenue. And he can see a growth uh, growth model in that sense. So I thought that was very insightful to kind of hear. Because like I said, we've never really heard that response when we talk crypto with people. Now, we do understand that you know, for people right now, crypto for a lot of, especially older investors, is more of a hedge. You know, hedging against the U.S. dollar, hedging against, you know, the future, trying to, you know, feel that their money is in some place where if it does work, it works out well. If it doesn't, they're not going to be completely hurt by it. So obviously, like I said, we are not um, certified investors, you know, do your own research. But I thought that was incredibly insightful. And I think that's, like I said, the reason we want to talk about Coinbase was it's a beautiful mix between what we're seeing in the traditional financial market and coming together with this cryptocurrency market that has just been exploding. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this company as time goes on. This bull run pretty much is projected to go until Bitcoin halves, which is, I believe, in September. So it'll be interesting to see after this bull run, when we do hit a bear market probably for the next year or two, what that means for those who bought into the IPO of Coinbase. You know, is this something that is going to be a super cyclical uh, opportunity or is this something where you're getting in so early that, you know, they're going to be one of the largest? Because there's a lot of other um, exchanges out there that, that exist. Binance is the largest in the world right now, and they still have lower fees than Coinbase. They have more coins listed than Coinbase, um, and it's a little bit more versatile. So it's going to be interesting to watch and kind of see where this company grows and, and goes to. But I think, yeah, the important thing to keep an eye out for is Thursday when this IPO does come out, you're going to see an explosion of cryptocurrency in the news. Regardless of what that means for, for the company, how well the IPO goes. The thing that I was reading earlier today, though, more was people don't know how to properly evaluate the IPO. I guess the NASDAQ has a <coughs> $25 billion. Um, there are estimates as high as $200 billion. Um, there's everything in between, and I think that's going to be a really interesting point because I think a lot of the traditional market isn't sure how to properly analyze the cryptocurrency market. So whether or not you're going to be getting this at a steal or whether you're going to be overpaying is going to be something that you know we're going to keep our eyes on and be watching. But like I said, super interesting when it comes to the news. Was there anything else that you saw this week more that stood out? Not per se. Uh, I, for the most part, it's been kind of an interesting horizontal market for the last couple weeks since we had that little dip. Um, you know, what was it, in, in mid-March, something like that. So it's been a pretty relaxed and kind of just 
playing back and forth, a little bit of ping pong between support and uh, uh, and that new level. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of see where it goes. That's really where I'm at, at least me personally. Ross, do you have anything else, or should we jump into our book? Um, I'm trying to think. I know Apple had a big week. Um, I'm trying to think who else had a big week. Snapchat. Shout out Snapchat. Love you guys. Um, we are up to about $62 last I checked. We had a big month. We were at like 50 to start. Um, the month, and we're all the way back up at sixty-five. I mean, technology. Some chart. we've had some, we've Eight. had a little comeback with some of these growth stocks. You know, there's no doubt about that. You know, Nvidia's back up right now. Um, you know, we got Pin, uh, Pinterest is back on, but starting starting to come back, get a run going again. And um, you got you got a few players that are continuing to, you know, slowly. But Tesla's making a little bit of a comeback. Like you, we talked before we jumped on the call. You know they're back up to seven hundred bucks a share, but Nvidia's you know back up to the six hundred six hundred number. Um, so they're they're you know tracking pretty nicely here. But you know we'll see we'll see what happens when we get this massive correction. We'll see where you know how everything really does really balances out. You know so it'll it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think so. And with that, um, I think we can hop into the book. I don't have anything else when it comes to it. Like I said, crypto this month has been great. I think it's going to continue. If you have money in there, keep your money in there. Take little profits along the way if you want. But um, it's fun. It's a great ride so far. But definitely seeing a lot more movement in the crypto market than the, the stock market. The stock market's been boringly stag, I think, to, to describe it. So, yeah, that's all I got for, for the market right now. So let's hop in. Uh, this week's book was called Indistractable. It was by Nir Eyal, uh, an author that we've read before. He read, he had a book called Unhooked, uh, which was all about um, you know the social media and how you know certain products are, are made to grab you and hook your attention and, and hold on to it for as long as it possibly can. It was a really great read, um, and I thought this one was was a really solid read as well. I really like the kind of attack things from a different perspective. He really went, you know, kind of the the mental health route, the, you know, how, how do we reduce the noise? How do we create the most effective environment for a true win? Um, I, I thought that it was uh, insightful in the ways of having new ways to go about um, challenging yourself. Like, I like the money-packed idea. I think that's something I will use in my life, probably for the same reason that he did, to lose some weight. Um, you know, I think that's a really, really great little tool to be able to trick your mind and play that mind game with yourself, to, to trick yourself into doing the thing that you're a little hesitant to do, uh, but know you have to do and you get to do and you get to create something positive out of. So I, I, I thought it was really a worthwhile book. What did you think? You know, I actually really like this as well. Um, I think especially in a time now where there are so many things that can distract us, I thought that makes this book incredibly relevant. And he has a lot of different tools to kind of help with that. But, you know, I think really the main point is that doing something like this and, and being a master of, of a lot of the things he talks about in this book is really trying to become the master of time. You know, time is your most valuable asset. You only have so much of it. How are you going to make the best use of it? And for me, a lot of it came down to little tricks he does with his phone where he's turning off notifications or how he separates his email into time-sensitive things. So I have to reply back, you know, in an hour, in a day, in a week, different, different things like that. And, you know, more so just trying to imagine different places where I lose time or become distracted. Because I know for me, when I work, 
because I work from home and I'm at the same desk all the time, I do find myself getting distracted more often. Um, and I think the little things of understanding why we need to do things or, or time boxing where you're trying to decide what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. And the goal is to eliminate, you know, all the other white space that'd be on your calendar. Um, it really kind of worked very purposefully, I think was a big takeaway for me. What did you think? What were some of the big ones for you that worked? No, again, I really like the money pack. That was, that was by far my favorite thing of the book, uh, that I would definitely use. And I think that it was really good to, to you know, uh, thankfully I don't really have as, I don't feel like I have as big of the addiction to, you know, checking my emails all day and that whole thing. Um, so that's not as big of an issue for me, but I think that he made, it makes a really valid point and that we don't know how to disconnect from our everyday, for our everyday life, from our business life. And, and, you know, it's really important to do because if we don't have that balance, then we're just going to feel like we're working all the time and, and just going to feel exhausted all the time. And there's no separation of home and work and you just have to do it. So I really think it was a valuable book to, to read just to pick up, even if you can pick up one or two new tools on how you can manage your time and arrange your attention in a way in which you are being the most effective towards your loved ones, towards yourself and towards your business and, you know, and the things that you need to do within your business as opposed to, um, you know, all of the notifications that you get from everything and everybody else about what they need from you that are, you know, would distract you from what you need to create. So I think it's, it's also a, a great mindset to take away from a book, right? To be able to walk away and say, I have the tools to be indistractable, right? To be able to walk away and say, I can figure out a way to make sure that I'm on task and I'm constantly finishing what I need to finish without allowing others to take away from my energy or take away from my professional life or take away from my work or my home life or take away from my intimacy with my my significant other or you know my time with my kids or any of those things right to really be a master of your own time and a master of your own attention uh, I think is a massive value in anyone's life so I think it's really relatable I think it's something that anybody can read and take some value out of um, and for me, I mean, I, I, that's really all I got on it. I think it's worth a worthwhile read, you know, at the end of the day, the, there's a lot of different tools in there and, you know, whichever tools pop out at you are going to be the ones that are support you the most. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in there. That's really what, that's, that's my opinion on the book in, in total. And kind of for me, final thoughts would be, um, you know, a solid book that's worth reading. That's, you know, an easy read, something that's really digestible, uh, and I think that everybody can find a positive tool to take out of this book. Yeah, I agree. I want to just mention one thing that I'm going to do that he talked about was when you go into a meeting to try to have your people set their phones down. His his idea was to set, have people set their phones down to plug it into charge. Um, so definitely, you know, if I have an opportunity to have a giant meeting room, you know, when we go back to work, I would love to have like a giant wireless, you know, charging station, charging pad where people could come in and just set their phone down and it would easily charge while you're in the middle of a meeting. Because we all know our phone's going to die sometime throughout the day. So if they're sitting there for 30 minutes and their phone's getting a charge, it's good for them and it's good for the company. So I think that's a, a tiny little trick that I want to take away. But other than that, my final thoughts, um, really, like I said, a lot of it is just focusing on your inputs, not your out outputs. You know, really focusing on what you can control scheduling your time properly scheduling time for important people in your life 
um, scheduling, you know, a lot of different things in a way that can make you a lot more productive. If you're someone that's in a group chat, you know, put that on silent, you know, get the notifications away. If you're always checking your email, same thing, you can turn notifications off. He talked a lot about you can turn the sound off, which can be a big thing as well. Um, and that's about it. Like Moore said, you know, you can really find a lot in this book. And I think someone who reads this, because we live in an age where, you know, everyone has, you know, short attention spans and we're always looking around. I think it's something where you can find something that has really been an issue for you, whether it be, like I said, your smartphone, your group, whatever it is, even just being on the desktop. And you can take a lot of the things he talks about in this book and really put them to use and see immediate results. So all in all, I highly recommend this. I thought not only was it a good book, um, but the, the narrator and everything for the audiobook was incredibly easy to listen to, um, which is very important because we've had some books that are just exhausting to listen to, even though the content is phenomenal. But yeah, I would highly recommend this. I think this is one of the, the better books that we've read in this. I should mention that this was also number one on a, you know, we always do our little Google, you know, top business books and try to really see what's resonating with people. This was a book that was number one on that list. And so the moment we saw that and realized the power it can have, um, we downloaded it, put it in our Dropbox and started getting to work on it. So highly recommend this. If you feel like this fits you, um, definitely download it. And if you think it fits someone in your friends or family, um, send it to them. Yeah, I think it'd be a very, very good gift for somebody. And guys, with that being said, thank you so much for joining us for episode 86 of Market Today. My name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Ainarelli. And we'll see you next week. Take care.